Welcome to the Fram Park Center for Faith and Life in Scottsdale, Arizona. This is our Out of the Park podcast series, special edition, Pathways, Faith, Living Out the Word. If you enjoy our programming and would like to see more of it, consider a donation at www.framparkcenter.org. Welcome, Dr. Mike Hegeman. Thank you. This is our foundational course focusing on the four pillars of Bible, faith, dialogue, and world. In this course, we are explaining how the Word of God inspires faith, what faith is, and how we live out the faith that God creates in us. The only thing that matters is faith energized by love. This is what the Apostle Paul said in a letter to a group of new Christians in a place called Galatia almost 2,000 years ago. You are worried about so much and you're fighting over what you are supposed to believe and do, but really, the only thing that has lasting power in this life is faith, energized by love. It couldn't be any clearer. Well, maybe it's too succinct. We might come back to Paul and say, Yes, Paul, having faith is good, but faith in what? It is the what of faith that we turn our attention to today. In our first session, we explored what faith is and how we can expand our understanding of faith by using words like belief and trust to tap into what it means to do faith, involving the head, the heart, and the gut in nurturing a relationship with the God who inspires faith and makes faith possible. In this session, we are going to talk about the what of faith, but this time with our eyes on the content of faith. What must I believe truly to have faith? Christians have been asking themselves this question from the very beginning as the early Christian apostles went forth proclaiming Jesus of Nazareth as God's anointed one, God's Messiah, the liberator of all humanity, the bringer of God's salvation. The question of what one is supposed to believe about this Jesus had to be worked out, chiseled out, set in stone almost, because each disciple or apostle that went out into the world proclaimed a part of the Jesus story, and they didn't always agree with one another's accounts of what had happened and what Jesus had said and who Jesus really, truly was. The early church, as it tried to figure out what the core beliefs were, shaped these beliefs into what we'd refer to today as a list of bullet points. These lists of uh, short, pithy statements about God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the Church, we refer to today as the creeds. Now, one of these early creeds from sometime in the second century goes like this. I believe in God the Father Almighty and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, 
who was born of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, who under Pontius Pilate was crucified and buried on the third day, rose again from the dead, ascended into heaven, sits at the right hand of the Father, whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. And in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Church, the remission of sins, the resurrection of the flesh and the life everlasting. It's short and to the point. It's like taking a whole, all four Gospels and squeezing them down into one paragraph. Notice as we go through this creed, it has a certain shape though. First we talk about God, next we talk about Jesus, and then the Holy Spirit, and lastly about the Church. Such a creed would have been used to teach new Christians as they were preparing themselves for baptism. They needed something they could memorize and then recite at the point of their baptism as they would stand before an elder or a bishop who would ask, What is it that you believe? And the new Christian would go through the list. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I believe in the Holy Spirit. And I believe in the church. Great! You can be baptized. Phew. Such a list of beliefs was helpful, but not very nuanced. There was a lot of wiggle room in there to come up with the specifics on what you believed exactly about God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. So the creeds, over time, took fuller and fuller shape, over generations, often in the midst of conflict and controversy, like those controversies that the Apostle Paul faced in his churches when he said, Stop fighting already! The only thing that matters is faith energized by love. The creeds were meant to overcome divisions and schisms, giving people something to hold on to as the core, the what of their faith. And so the creeds evolved from simply saying, I believe in God the Father Almighty, to I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and of earth and of all things visible and invisible. Pithy evolved to profuse as the early Christians worked out with fear and trembling the what of faith. What one believed about God, Jesus, and the Spirit and the church became very important in the first few centuries after Jesus' death and resurrection. The movement to create a standard set of beliefs was called orthodoxy. Now this meant right belief. In such a time, creeds served to form a core of beliefs, teaching and learning tools for those wishing to be baptized and giving boundary markers for communities torn apart by every wind of doctrine. The what of faith is certainly important, but however we form our list of bullet points, we need to keep in mind that faith shaped without love has no power. Paul the Apostle also says, Faith, hope, and love, these three remain, and the greatest of these 
is love. So the what of faith comes from distilling from our reading of Scripture that which forms the core of what we believe, trust, and have faith in. The Scriptures themselves have multiple moments of summarizing the what of faith. From the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, we hear, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It's short and to the point. From the writings of the New Testament, we hear from the opening of the Gospel of John, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through Him. A little later in the Gospel of John, we hear that God so loved the world, that God gave the world Jesus, the only begotten Son, to liberate the world from its captivity into which it had fallen. Scripture teaches us over and over again the what of faith. There is God, and there is Jesus, and Jesus is connected to God, that he is God with us, and the embodiment of God's love for the world. These creeds we can look back to, these creedal statements, whether in scripture or developed later, try to make sense in just a few words the immense mystery of God and of who Jesus is in relation to the God he called Father. Now the Apostle Paul, in his letter to the church in Philippi, struggles to make sense of it all, and instead of writing a creedal statement, he creates a hymn. We might not recognize it as a hymn because there's no music there on the page, but it goes something like this. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being Born in human likeness and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now that's kind of like saying, work out on your own your creedal statement. Figure out what is the what of faith for you. For it is God who is at work in you, enabling faith. Paul, the apostle, knew that Jesus was more than an ordinary human being, but not less than human. Jesus was here, in the flesh. He was real and Behind that earthly existence was the fullness of God's existence. 
Paul struggles to make sense of who Jesus was and is in light of Jesus' death and resurrection. And the what of faith for Paul was that Jesus, who loved us, gave himself up for us to free us from the grasp of what Paul calls the present evil age, according to the will of God, his Father, and ours. Paul also says that Jesus was born of a woman, born under the law, in order that he might redeem those held captive under the law. We get snapshots throughout Scripture of the what of having faith in, that is, trusting in Jesus and the God who sends Jesus into the world. It is our job throughout history and in every generation as a church and personally to articulate the what of faith. How? By reading Scripture, being encountered by the proclamation of the gospel as it comes to us through Scripture, as Jesus himself comes to us, and then by making a list of all the things we believe about and have faith in and trust about Jesus, we highlight what is important to us, seeing what holds the greatest gravity what entices us most. We then condense it down. We make it memorable and meaningful. And then we check our what's of faith with others' expression of faith as well. We do this personally and in fellowship with others. We read the ancient and newer creeds and others' expressions of faith engage others in conversation. We widen our understanding of what it means to believe, to trust, and to have faith in Jesus and in the God he knew as Father, and in the Spirit who continues the work of God and Jesus in each generation and in each heart to foster and nourish faith. We are continuing the conversation around faith, and to help us do that, we have here Mr. Bernard England a friend of the Fran Park Center. Welcome, Bernard. Thanks for joining us today. Mike, thanks for having me. Thanks for uh, continuing this conversation. Uh, One thing you talked about was trust a lot. What are the things in in life that you trust are going to happen? Uh, Do you ever feel like you take your faith for granted and as it pertains to trust? It's an interesting question because there are some things that, you know, at the very basic level, some, some levels of trust that we you know, I just don't even think about. It. Again, I think I mentioned earlier that I know that I'm going to see the sun, you know, in the next morning. I just trust that's going to happen. The sun is going to come up, as we say. You know, it's just we don't even think about the Earth rotating. We think of the sun is going to come up, but um, you know, I think this basic idea of trust has a lot to do with our experiences in life throughout, from childhood onward. I mean, do we develop? trusting relationships as we go along. And so I think, you know, as I look at my life, uh, I could say, you know, I've got a basic trust that things are going to turn out each day. But I also could say I've got some anxiety. You know, uh, I, you know, look, I've, I've driven to work each day. I've driven home, uh, you know, for the last how many years. And yet there are moments when I feel like I, uh, anxiety comes into the picture. Well, what if I get in a car accident? And I think that, you know, there is always a balance between trust and worry. And I'm not saying that it's a healthy balance, but I'm saying that, 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 that worry, anxiety, question marks appear in life all the time. And so even though I may have a basic, 
you know, kind of rooted, grounded trust that, you know what, things are going to turn out all right. But for me, right in the middle of things, I know that I've got a, you know, I've got too much busyness going on in my head. And I, you know, basically just call it some sense of anxiety. Like, are things going to turn out all right? right. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, so, you know, and I think I'm pretty lucky to be where I am. I, I mentioned earlier the sense of I just, every time I turn on the tap, I, I just have a sense of trust that the water is going to come on. And there are many people in the world where that's not true, you know. And so we each in our own place and time, we develop a sense of trust about, um, you know, well, how, how are things going to turn out? And that really goes to our sense of trusting something that we can't see, someone we can't see. And that in this instance, we're talking about God. And that's really, that's a, that's a tough one because, you know, it's like, how do you develop that trusting relationship when, you know, it's too easy, you know, to, to go on a childhood disappointment and project that onto God? Well, I prayed as a kid and I didn't get what I wanted. And so, uh, there mustn't be a God. And I think many people never progress beyond that. And it's very difficult to build a trusting relationship, even though every aspect of our day, we have to have a little bit of trust, you know, that the elevator is going to go up and take us to the office or, um, you know, that we're going to go to the store and there's going to be enough food on the shelves. And I think, you know, the pandemic brought all of those things into question, you know, that everything expected about life. And so we had to, some people just, you know, kind of tuned out, but other people, I'm sure, went searching a little deeper to find what is it that I build my trust around. So was anything, has anything in the last few years yourself kind of questioned your own sense of trust in the world and trust in the world and in life itself? Oh, it's, it's interesting because as you, as you talk about each individual scenario, I think one f- term that comes to mind are, are details and we lose track, myself specifically, I know I lose track of the details and those details are, are where really where you, you misplace trust or you find trust, um, as a runner, right? Like you, you trust that each step you take is going to propel you to the next step. You don't think about the firing of your hip flexor or the control of your quad or the control of a hamstring. When you go to grab any mechanism, a door or a handle, you trust that the springs inside are going to work. You trust that, you know, the, the knob is going to turn just to that right angle. So you, I, I think for me, trust is, is forgetting the details. You you know, it's it, my father always has talked about as a jazz musician, Miles Davis. You you practice and you obsess over practice and you find all the little intimate bits of anything you're learning and all the details and then you forget them and you just go out and play and you let creativity happen. You trust that you've already done the back work. You trust that all the details have already been put in and you you just let happen what needs to happen. So I it's weird because now it makes me question, should we take certain things for granted? Should we take certain trust for granted because it allows us to, to freely have faith? That, that element of freedom in faith becomes revealed there where, you know, for me personally, anxiety is, is also a thing, right? Where you, you want to trust something, but if you don't have control of those details, you don't know if you can. And anytime that you, you try to grab control over certain things, you in a sense, lose trust because you, you're reaching for control. So it's it's a weird give and take. I'll definitely say for the, especially during the pandemic, um, 
not being able to be out with with family members or you know teammates or, or athletes and having the face-to-face conversation about how are you feeling today not in a text not in a phone call how are you feeling and and you know trusting that I can read their facial expressions I can read their body language I know what they're feeling without them even saying a word and you know to go through and and have to hear it through a text or, or, or a phone call it, it's a it's a different type of trust you have to believe things differently so it it's it's an interesting concept it, I think it, it forces me to if you ask about do you, do I trust things or you know where do I trust that things are going to happen it and honestly forces me to question why don't I trust things well you know you bring up a really good point but when you mentioned a jazz performer like Miles Davis and the fact that what you said was he had to practice so many hours before he appeared in front of somebody to make it look effortless and I think that's something maybe that in our in a life of faith a life, a journey of faith that we forget about. We forget about that there is, we need a lot of practice and we need to, and, and the, you know, just think about how many mistakes, unquote, quote unquote mistakes that Miles Davis would have made right. as he's in when, when he's by himself or he's rehearsing with a band so that when he appears in front of people, it looks, he's got a certain buoyancy. I would, I call the word, you know, a sense of there's a buoyancy right. that, uh, that all that practice allowed him to have faith that what he'd done, you know, we can say confidence in what he'd, how he'd prepared, that, con- that doing all that practice gave him a certain amount of buoyancy. And so maybe in the life of faith, you know, I have to think a little bit more about that. What would, what would give us buoyancy in the life of faith? Uh, to be able just to step out in trust and say, but we've had enough practice. And so that's a, that's a, that's a really good, uh, kind of a good question to be asking how each person saying, what would give me buoyancy in faith? And to, I mean, how can I practice faith enough so that when I really need to, to be engaged, my faith needs right. to be engaged, that I feel like I've got that. You've got the confidence to do it. Yeah. You can go after it. The I, foundation. Know, yeah. yeah. I think, I think we all kind of strive for that thing, right? I think for, personally, I, I'm at my best when I know I've seen something similar, right? And even if it's something that any situation that comes about where, you know, you've never dealt with something before, naturally, whether you know it or not subconsciously, you look for past experiences to deal with what you're going through now. So, you know, it's it's interesting because I do think there's an element of experience that goes into finding that confidence. You need to experience the same thing over and over and over, whether you're practicing it, you know, consciously or not. You need to keep experiencing that thing so that you know how to feel. You know the articulations of the string. You know where to find the keys on the piano so that when you, you know, you're, you're forced with performing, you, you can perform the way you need to perform. You don't have a sense of fear about going through faith. And I think, you know, that poses another question, you know, without that confidence, do you have fear about your faith? Um, well, I think, you know, as we're talking a little bit about confidence and, uh, and maybe, maybe we look at confidence as something that we believe that, you know, because, okay, I'm a musician. I've practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced. I have, uh, a little bit of faith in myself. And that's what confidence can be, uh, trusting in one's self and one's abilities. And I think it's important to have a certain amount of confidence. And at the same time, when we talk about, we put that word into the whole larger context of faith. Maybe it's a sense of we do have to have confidence that, 
you know, that we're growing or we're maturing or that we've got a certain amount, we, you know, ability. I say it's hard to say I've got some ability when it comes to faith, but you know, it's a sense of maybe we have, we, it's okay to have some confidence, but to shift that away from ourself, knowing first of all, we, yeah, to be confident in ourselves, but saying faith puts that confidence in something larger than ourselves. And that's, that's the trusting. That's the stepping off of the, the, the edge and hoping there's a net kind of thing, you know, saying that, that maybe confidence brings us so far, takes us to the edge of the unknown and says, okay, you got to jump, you know, right. and that's, that's what faith, that's where, you know, cause when confidence turns to faith, it's the sense of, you know, Miles Days, you know, he, sorry, I keep coming back to him, but he's got all of this, you know, skill and practice, but improvisation allows him to kind of step, to jump off the edge and know that he's got enough going for him that he can do that and trusting in his fellow, you know, musicians, all those things in the life of faith, we have, you know, it's just too easy, but we have God. Right. And that's a sense of too, even as and a trepidatious as it is, big word, but just to say, as fearful as we might be, it's that uh, even knowing that there's a net can help us to s- step out one day at a time in into our faith life. Yeah. All right. I, it's a, such a beautiful bridge you built there because it almost it yields the phrase, you know, practice builds confidence, and at the end of confidence, there becomes faith. I know personally, you, you could always argue to some people confidence and faith are two different ideologies faith is for those that have already given up faith is for those that have already figured out okay i don't need to work on anything i just need to let go and let god and confidence is that that element of control where i've I've had control over every element of my practice that i can just go out there and do it but you know you just painted such a beautiful bridge there where you can both can coincide you can work at something till you have a level of confidence and then have the confidence to have faith, right? You can have the level of confidence that says, I've done what I need to do. I've worked all I need to work. And now I can let go and, and, and let faith have its day. I can let go and let it, let God take over. So that, that's, that's, that's beautiful. And I, I think it gives remnants to how it takes over your, your body, right? Like we talk about confidence and we talk about faith. These ideologies to me personally – we're always mind and spirit, but the action of letting go really, you know, feeds the body, right? If we talk about anxiety, you're going after any one thing, you're practicing it, you have a level of confidence. Now you've reached the end of, of what you think you have control over. You're, that peace that you, you're granted with at the end of confidence that leads to faith, your body becomes relaxed, right? Like I, we're just staying on theme with Miles Davis. I would imagine you're able to play so fluidly. You, you say the word buoyancy, your, your bounce, as, as my dad would say in jazz, your bounce becomes electric. You don't have to think about things. It becomes secondhand. It becomes natural. And, you know, I, I think when we talk about faith and, and prosperity, the, the two are one and the same. We can act on practicing faith. We can act on believing and we can act on spirituality. But at a certain point, all of that leaves us and it becomes part of our body and then you know all three are, are one and the same body mind and spirit but um yeah they come together really don't right, they that's right. a sense of two i mean you're describing you know i myself you know you know i'm a musician i'm not uh, proficient in like in a, playing the piano but 
the, I know the skill, the, uh, the goal always is how do you build, uh, muscle memory, right. right? And they do that with athletes as well, right? I mean, everybody, you're building muscle memory and so that you don't have to think in the moment about all the practice. You just do. And so interesting enough, as we, if we turn that analogy over to faith and say, yeah, faith isn't just something that we have, right? It's not just something, I mean, sorry, it's not like a, it's not a brain activity solely. It's not a spirit activity solely, but it, it's something that we practice so that we can have muscle memory around faith. And I hadn't really thought about that too much and put it together that way. But that's what we, maybe that's what we mean when we talk about the difference between having faith and doing faith. Right. And so, yeah, what, you know, would you carry that any further? How would you say, like, what is doing faith? You know, if we gain that picture of muscle memory and we bring that together with doing faith, what do you, you know, what picture comes to mind for you about doing faith? Uh, personally, personal anecdote here, that moving to Arizona recently uh, as an athlete, as an endurance athlete, prompted a number of challenges. One, specifically hydration. When you live on the East Coast, when you live in an area that's not as, as hot all the time, you you hydrate or you think you hydrate. Moving here for me, I realized that I, I'm not hydrating enough. I Personally, I never thought that I needed to drink as much water. And I feel as though this is a very similar conversation in terms of faith. When you do things over and over and you feel as though I've got a good grasp on it, I understand what needs to happen in order for this to happen. I know part one, so obviously I'll know part B. But when you're faced with a certain challenge for me, heat, it it forced me to drink more water than than I needed to, right? I didn't think I needed to focus on it. And, you know, that level of focus granted this freedom of, okay, now I can do more work. And I think the same comes for faith. For me personally, you you think, oh, I know I'll have faith at some point. Part A is just go to church, read the scripture. We'll we'll get to a point where faith will just have its day for me. I think doing faith and taking the action to not force it upon yourself, but be actively involved in your progression of faith, I think is is probably the best way to say it there. When when faith happens, it's a beautiful experience, right? When you are able to let go of of certain anxiety and certain control and have the confidence to take part in faith, I think that action of letting go is the doing of faith. Um, you know, it, it's such a such a challenging ideal to kind of grasp with. Well, what do I? What do I? How do I do it? What do I need to do? What what action do I need to take? What what do I need to control? And it's, I think, the control part is, is knowing that you don't have to have control, right? Like just knowing that, having the confidence to say, I'm going down this path. Each day I'm going to make an, a a further attempt to get to the part where I can let go, where I can have that that space of faith. You know, that confidence to me is is the act of doing faith, as opposed to just letting it happen or just letting it come to you. Maybe sometimes you need to be more aggressive in your pursuit of faith, um, if, if that answers the question. Yeah, it does. It could be a sense of, if the immediate re- response might be for somebody saying, how do you do faith? They would say, well, I do good works or acts of charity which uh, or uh, helping other people. Those are all those are all kind of responses, you know, that we do in faith. But this other, this other sense of how do we do faith, as I love what you're describing, is because it says that it's a practice. Right. And it's a practice that we say that we learn how to build the, we say, body, mind, spirit, 
muscle memory, you right. know, of all of those, so that when it's not just so like when we need it, but yeah. we need it every day. We need it every moment, from the moment that sun quote unquote rises till it goes down throughout the night. Even we need faith all through the day to you know to to grow, to live, to continue to take a breath every moment to say. I'm taking this breath because I trust that I'm going to need it in the next moment, you know, too. So, well, you know, we've got, I'm sure that that we've, so many questions can arise out of our conversation and and talking about faith. And we'll trust that, uh, that you, you know, that we'll continue this conversation. And we hope those who are, who are listening, if if you've got questions that uh, come up for you about faith, that you continue to explore. You know, find people that you can talk to about faith and uh, just to can say, how are you growing in your faith? Or how are you or even just ask that simple question saying, um, what does the doing of faith look like for you? Right. Yeah. So, Bernard, thank you. And uh, look forward to joining you. It's a further conversation a little bit down the line. All right. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for joining the Fram Park Center for Faith and Life. Our mission is to serve the church and community through innovative, inclusive, and transformative education. Check out our website at www.framparkcenter.org for more information about upcoming events, programs, pilgrimages, and opportunities to get involved. If you enjoyed this program and would like to see more like it, please consider a donation. You can find more information of ways to support the Park Center on our website.